This is Salesforce Simplified, the podcast from Ad Victorium Solutions. Here's your host, Mike Boyle. Hello, everyone. Nice to have you back with us here on the Ad Victorium Salesforce Simplified podcast. As the man said, my name's Mike Boyle. And today we're going to be speaking with Catalytics founder and managing partner, Frank Mendoza, about something that's in the news everywhere you turn these days and something that every business needs to know about. I'm talking about AI, artificial intelligence. Hey, Frank, welcome to the Salesforce Simplified Podcast. We are thrilled that you're here with us today. Mike, it's, it's a complete honor to be here. I appreciate you offering me up the opportunity to speak with your audience. So thank you so much for having me. Well, before we get started, just a little bit more about Frank. He is a highly respected and award-winning analytics leader with over 20 years of experience in strategy, customer experience, and data science. He is the founder of Catalytics, which is a service company that helps Fortune 500 companies like Nike, Kellogg's, Keurig, Dr. Pepper, and Jim Beam to execute actionable AI and data analytics strategies to solve their toughest business challenges. And just for the record, Frank holds a BS in mechanical engineering and an executive MBA from the University of Texas at Austin, where I believe uh, I'm speaking to you. You are in Austin today, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Great to the city of Austin and, and, and Texas and a uh, little hot outside. But uh, other than that, it's a fantastic day in Austin, Texas. All right, Frank, here we go. We need to kind of start here if we're going to educate businesses about AI. Let's start with the different types of AI that uh, are out there and the terms that we're hearing daily now, like generative, GPT. Can you differentiate yeah, them for us? Yeah. It's, it's uh, great to kind of level set everybody. So there are different types of artificial intelligence, Mike. There's something called artificial narrow intelligence. There's something called artificial general intelligence, and then there's even something called artificial superintelligence. Superintelligence right now is just theoretical at this point. This is where you have algorithms and things that start to learn more and better and can perform any task better than a human. It's theoretical. It's not currently available to us. Artificial general intelligence is where it starts to perform as well as a human. It starts to interpret and, you know, can, can understand things even to some extent, you know, start to make its own decisions based on, you know, very little input of no input from, from humans. That's right now less theoretical, more, more attainable, but certainly not available to us today, right? Artificial narrow intelligence is where we're, we're living. This is where everything from recommendation engines from Netflix to the generative AI solutions that ChatGPT and DALI and MidJourney all play, these GPT solutions, those are what's considered narrow intelligence, meaning they can perform a specific task, but they have limited scope and, and, and fixed functionality. You know, you define a target, you, you, you start to collect information, it identifies patterns, and then makes a recommendation. And, and that's where you start focusing on that narrow intelligence that we are today. Could you talk, Frank, a little bit about some of the common misconceptions that people have about AI and related data analytics? And how do you address those with your clients, the people you speak with? 
Yeah, so so let's talk a little bit more about the, the narrow intelligence and we can talk a little bit about the challenges, right? So there is discriminative artificial intelligence. This is where you know you are looking for a prediction on a number, a percentage, a some type of you know you you want some kind of uh, output to be given to you. Then there's the generative AI, which again, to your point. Uh, since November of last year has really been hyped. This is what everyone is kind of talking about right now. And this is where you want to generate some type of output that is, you know, text, natural language, it's an image, it's music or sound. Those are kind of generative AI solutions. And some of the misconceptions people have is they're interchangeable, right? And so that's not necessarily the case. If you really want to get to, I want to make a prediction on sales forecast for next year, then you really want to look at discriminative type of solutions. Those tend to be more customized, more unique, more output that's going to be tailored towards your specific use case. These generative AI solutions are, again, more general. They tend to want to give an output that is something that I akin to creativity. So, again, maybe a blog post or an image of cats and dogs or a sound from your uh, music from your favorite artist or something like that. It's generating something uh, outside of just normal. So that's one misconception is that I could use these, you know, generative AI solutions to do forecasting or to give me some prediction on a number uh, like customer churn, for example, or things like that. Can't give me the winning lottery numbers, right? Not, not, no, not yet. Not at this stage. <laughs> Although I did have the, I did have the mega ball last night in that one point five eight billion dollars. I won wow, four. Wow, congratulations! I won four bucks, buddy. <laughs> so no one ever, no one ever can call you a loser. Then there you go. You got to get it, <laughs> be in it to win it, whatever it is. There Frank, you can you talk a little bit about, or maybe explain? to me, how you go about identifying the best approach for implementing AI and data analytics strategies in, in a business or industry? Yeah, I, th- I think the best approach to start looking at this is to start taking an intentional approach to these solutions. Right now, I think what you have is a lot of folks who are looking at you know a little bit of a shiny object syndrome, right? There's so many cool things that are happening, but it's really trying to understand what is your business objectives and goals? And then how do we identify the best approach to go solve those? In some cases, Mike, as you can attain, uh, you know, ascertain, there is, you know, generative AI may not be the right solution. It may be a discriminative AI. In some cases, based on your analytics maturity and where you are on your evolution uh, of that journey, it may be simply reports and dashboards that you need at this stage in order to make better decisions. And so the best approach I found is not to go in there and assume that AI is going to solve the problem. I think the better approach is to approach it as what are the challenges that you're currently undergoing? Identify kind of the specific problems that are going to address those and then define a hypothesis and then start to address that hypothesis and determine whether or not these new emerging technologies like AI and generative AI solutions are really going to help you achieve that or not. Let's talk a little bit, Frank, about implementing AI and data analytics um, and and the challenges associated with them for businesses. How do they overcome those challenges of implementation? 
Yeah. So, so one of the first challenges that I think people, we can definitely talk about bias in some of these models, right? There's, you know, one of the bigger challenges when you start to introduce these models, you have to recognize that they've been trained on some set of data. And these large language models that you know are real popular right now, they've been trained on the World Wide Web and, and billions and billions and billions of web pages and articles and books and et cetera. But inherently in our society and as humans, we have biases. And one of those challenges is identifying those biases and recognizing them and then ensuring that when you implement those solutions, that you're mitigating those biases as much as possible and recognizing them. The other challenge, Mike, that you really need to consider is inherent in most introductions of new technologies within organizations, and that's inertia. The the inertia for an organization to want to stay status quo and recognize that we've always done it this way. So how can we approach a different way of doing things, right? This means that you're going to have to look inherently at the processes, the people, and in, in most cases, the technology to determine if there are opportunities for really to, you know, disrupt that process. And that, that can be, you know, um, alarming to some folks, as you can imagine, who have done their process or their, their um, role in a certain way for a while. And you're introducing these new technologies to that fold, and, and that, that may cause a little bit of um, uncertainty. Well, in addition to AI, there's two other terms that are being bantered about uh, these days that may be confusing people. Can you talk about the difference between AI, machine learning, and deep learning? Yeah, it's a great, great question. So there, there is a lot of interchangeable use of these terms. And the, re- the reality is AI is so, it's a nebulous term right now. It's a very large, um, it's a discipline if you will, right? So think physics, think chemistry, uh, think mathematics, that's AI, right? So it's it's this big overarching discipline on which things are, are being bucketed right now. Machine learning is a subset of artificial intelligence. Machine learning is where you are feeding data, whether that data be, again, sound, it could be text, it could be structured data, like what you would find in you know, a typical uh, Excel spreadsheet, rows and columns, um, but you're feeding it data into this machine learning algorithm, and the algorithm is taking that and identifying patterns and using different algorithms to determine what's the best approach to make a, a, an informed prediction. The deep learning is then a further subset of machine learning. Deep learning is when you're starting to take advantage of what's considered neural networks. These are nodes that take into consideration weights and biases. Um, it's almost a bit of, you know, the analogy has been made to, it works like a human brain. We're not sure exactly how it works, but we know it takes different inputs. It attributes different weights against different parameters and attributes, and then makes a decision at the end of the day. It's not exactly how the brain works, but it's a good analogy to demonstrate how neural networks work. So again, artificial intelligence is a discipline Machine learning is a subset of that discipline, and deep learning is a a further subset of machine learning that leverages neural networks. I know that we have a lot of people in marketing who come by and and check out our podcast. Very grateful to them. Thank you. 
Let's focus just for a moment here on marketers and, and maybe some common mistakes that they might be making when they go to select a MarTech solution for AI. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I think a lot of marketers are, are currently faced with. Almost this uh, analysis paralysis, right? There's so many uh, solutions out there and the landscape is not getting smaller. It's getting larger by the day where new solutions are being selected uh, are being created using these uh, artificial intelligence solutions. And, you know, when ChatGPT opened up their API, I think you would probably recognize this, Mike, and a lot of your viewers would too, which is you had this proliferation of apps just come out and say, hey, we are now an AI app, right? And so that makes the job of selecting these solutions that much harder. A couple of things to consider when you're thinking about this. Again, it goes back to our intentional question. You need to have intention when you're selecting these solutions to ensure that it's solving a problem that is imminent in your in your organization. So things to consider would be um, how well does it integrate with your existing MarkTech stack, right? Are you introducing something that is vastly different and not going to play well with some of the other pieces of your MarkTech stack? Like we mentioned before, data is pivotal to making these solutions successful. And so in order for it to be successful, it's got to have access to the various data elements and make sure that you can you know, populate those, train against those, and eventually provide you predictions and content if, uh, if that's the solution um, that's going to allow you to make better decisions and at the end of the day, uh, satisfy your customers that much better. Earlier in our conversation, um, it was funny you alluded to, hey, the calendar changed to January and everybody started freaking out. Everybody started hearing about generative. Um, you know, companies like, you know, Salesforce have been in the AI game for, you know, for years. Of course, you know, they have all their, you know, GPT products um, mm-hmm. that are out there and that are coming. So you're, you're a business, you're reading all this, you're hearing this, you know, you're sharing, uh, you know, things with people. What should I be, what should a company do first to focus on an AI plan? Yeah, one of the things, again, alluded to it a little earlier, right, which is data. Data is pivotal. What I, what I like about the approach that Salesforce is taking right now is they have the data, right? When you're talking about their CRM solutions and, and the introduction of Tableau and other solutions, they have the data. And it's really about aligning that data to your objectives, right? There are different data sources that are going to be available to an organization, everything from transactional data, customer data, master data, all these different data elements. And what you really want to do is focus in on what is the use case that you're going after and really identify the elements of data that are going to help you, you know, feed that algorithm to make those those predictions. You know, in some cases, these generative AI solutions it's going to be amazing. I think what you're going to see here, Mike, in the few, in the near future around personalization, the ability to take an account within Salesforce, really start to understand that, that, that client from a personal perspective and then targeted, very personalized messaging that can be crafted with, you know, really unique image sets and things like that are going to be amazing uh, in the near future here. Staying on the uh, generative AI topic here for for a second, focusing on that. You know, there are tools out there like ChatGPT, uh, Dolly, 
uh, mid-journey. How are companies going to be using tools such as that in, in the future? There's certainly, I think, what you're going to recognize a plethora of use cases that are going to be available to people. I think everything from creating ad campaigns very quickly, iterating on marketing messages and sharing it out there via their social networks. I think these things are going to be amazing because you have the ability to create something, test it, and, and iterate on it very quickly. I call this the age of iteration that we're about to, to march into. Those solutions, though, like I keep mentioning, Mike, they need a strategic approach, though, right? We, we talked about the shiny object syndrome before. Just because you can you know, mimic a voice, is that the best use? And do you want to put your uh, resources, energy, and time to go and do that? Is that really going to be the best use of your, your effort? I don't know. For, for uh, uh, you know, an organization that's their, their competitive advantage or their unique uh, selling proposition, maybe it is. But just because you can doesn't necessarily mean you should. And I think that's where the key message needs to lie. These solutions are amazing. They're you know, going to allow organizations to really level the playing field. I think small, medium organizations are going to be able to create content that is equivalent to the large organizations. But the, the key here is to be intentional again and have a strategy, have an approach that is going to make sure that you're, you're leveraging these tools and technologies they're going to ultimately allow you to achieve your objectives and goals. Oh, there's just a plethora of Pandora's boxes that are opening. Um, there are, know. and I think I think that's what makes it really um, you know confusing to you know the, the person who's trying to stay abreast of this. I, I'm in the industry, and it's hard for me to be uh, in touch uh, with all the different applications that are coming out, all the different pieces that are coming out. But the reality is, I think if you take a different approach, you take a different approach of what problem am I trying to solve? And then what are the solutions out there that could help me solve those? As opposed to saying, ooh, that's a new shiny thing that, that just came out. Let me try and figure, fit it into my business when it may not necessarily fit. Yeah, there, there, one thing that I'm, as a big music fan myself, you know, I'm outside of here, I am um, watching the news of uh, Universal Music, which is a, a you know a, a recording company with you know whole stable of you know artists mm-hmm. and now they're in talks you know with their artists uh, about how their voices can be used to create new music. Yeah, and I mean it's that's what I mean about the Pandora's box. It's just, that's just one example of you know the things that uh, that, that lie. Yeah, there. and you know from that standpoint I think it's it's a scarcity versus an abundance mindset, right? And again, I I think in different aspects there's I tend to be an optimist in this space of course, right? And so, you know, how do you recognize that this wave is coming? This wave is here, right? How do I either ride this wave or get I'm going to get crushed by this wave? And so, I think it really is going to disrupt a lot of business models. And I think people need to approach it as, okay, how do I ensure that, you know, my competitive advantage, my, my unique uh, aspects of my business are not diminished as a result of generative AI. If anything, they augment and complement that and allow me to do what I need to do to satisfy my customers that much uh, more. Let's pretend for a moment that I'm the CEO of Mike's widget company. What questions should I be asking 
myself and, and my team to make sure that we are AI ready. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of conversations right now with that very question. And I think it's really a paradigm shift that, Mike, you need to take, right? Which is paradigm shift from inventing with tools to tools inventing now. And so the questions I think you need to ask yourself are really about two aspects of your business. First, you have to identify where you're willing to experiment with this technology. What functions, what processes, what aspects of maybe the customer journey you're willing to go and investigate and play with this stuff and experiment. But once you've identified those functional areas, you have to ask yourself some questions around the tasks themselves. What, uh, you know, as you map out the journey or map out the process, where are there opportunities to leverage this technology? And in some cases, you'll need someone who understands these technologies, understands their capabilities to help you with this, which is identifying those potential use cases. But once you've identified those potential use cases, you need to ask yourself, how much human creativity is really required on this process step? And what I mean by human creativity is how much unique creative innovation is necessary that typically we would look towards a human to achieve. And then the second aspect is how much of a competitive advantage is this process step to my organization? Again, that's going to be key because if it's high creativity, that human creativity that's required, Mike, and it's a highly uh, competitive advantage to my organization, that's something I don't want to necessarily delegate to an AI solution. I want to keep my best people, my best minds and hold on to that because I know it provides a competitive advantage to my, to my organization. However, if it requires lower human creativity and there's not much competitive advantage, then those are opportunities to delegate to an AI solution, right? Think email, right? Think um, opportunities to maybe answer FAQs on a website. Those types of, not a lot of creativity. It's a standard kind of template and, you know, not a lot of competitive advantage differentiating me from my competitors in that space. So maybe those are opportunities for AI. And then the other pieces, you know, whether it's high creativity and low competitive advantage or high competitive advantage and low creativity, those are aspects where you're looking at either augmenting those processes and, and, and opportunities to AI, but certainly not necessarily delegating them entirely to AI, right? And that's where you want to maintain that human in the loop and ensure that the, you know, somebody is recognizing um, and making a human judgment at the end of the day about whether or not this is ready to publish. Well, still in my role here as a CEO of Mike's widget company, how would I ensure that AI and data analytics solutions are aligned with my company's overall strategies and goals? Yeah, I think it goes back to what we talked about before, Mike, which is don't look at a solution. So don't fall in love with the problem. What is the problem you're trying to solve? Why is that problem, you know, important for your overall strategy and your overall goal and your overall objectives? And then go and look at the technology. Go look at, you know, the opportunities. Again, right now, people are falling in love with the solution, unfortunately. They want to leverage. I want to use mid-journey, right? But or I want to use ChatGPT, or I want to use Dolly. I want to use these solutions out there. And the reality is, again, they're not focused on the problem. 
they're focused on the solution. And in my experience, that is uh, a detriment and that's going to set up for um, maybe some short-term wins, but not long-term success. I think when you take it from a problem perspective and really recognize what the problems are, you may find that, again, what we talked about earlier, which is maybe AI is the, is the solution, but maybe there are other opportunities that allow you to uh, attack some low-hanging fruit and get you to, that, um, to resolution of that problem that much quicker. Two more questions for you, Frank. With your vast um, experience, could you share some examples of how AI and data analytics have been used to enhance customer experience or improve customer engagement? Um, As you um, are well aware, customer experience uh, is a big, big thing at companies these days. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it'll continue to be a big thing. I think, I think, Examples, of course, there are a plethora of examples, like I mentioned, that are attacking. This is everything from, you know, leveraging the solutions to predict customer churn, like we talked about before, maybe even recognizing people who might have upsell opportunities and, and look at those. So there are opportunities to engage customers. We talked about FAQs and engaging people, you know, where they are, uh, when, when they need that information quicker. I think these new solutions, like we discussed, Mike, are really amazing in terms of they're going to really offer more personalization in the near future. This is going to allow you to be to do better segmentation. That's going to lead to improved targeting. You know, it, it's going to have so much opportunity to really tie in. One of the things that, that really excites me is the opportunity to really open up the market potentially for organizations that are looking at leveraging these tools to maybe uh, hit an unrecognized market because now they can leverage these tools to create unique marketing messages to those folks with imaging and branding and all those elements that right now that it's the cost is not there. It, it was prohibitive to allowing you to, to even reach out to those segments. The last question I have for you, Frank, I've heard over these last several months, pros and the cons, but I know this kind of bugs people. It stays in the back of their head. Since generative AI has the potential to replace many jobs, I said potential, where should people look to improve their skill set in the AI arena? Yeah, I think... um no question about it. I think this is a disruptive um, technology in all the, the the spirit of that word, right? There will be displacement of jobs. That's no question about it. I think it's it's imperative for people right now to start experimenting with this, to start recognizing where they can take advantage of it. Uh, I really, you know, I encourage people not to put their head in the sand and and just because you don't like it, I'm not going to play with it, right? I'm not going to experiment with it. It's it's the wrong approach. I think, like I said, this wave is coming. This wave is here. People are recognizing it. But how can you take advantage of it and augment your yourself, your business, and the experience that you can give to the customers? But I always like to use this analogy, Mike. There are three aspects that I look at. There's knowledge. There's creativity. And there's wisdom. Knowledge is what you know. And in the past, people have been paid immense amount of dollars to know something. 
think of Jeopardy, right? The amazing things that people can answer on Jeopardy. It's based on their ability to memorize and retain information and know a certain subject. And in the past, that has been rewarded. With the internet and certainly with these generative AI solutions being trained on the internet, knowledge has now, to some extent, been commoditized. The ability for ChatGPT to solve and answer questions on the medical exam and pass the board, uh, the bar uh, from a legal, that's demonstrating it has knowledge. But I think the evolution moves you into creativity, which is, you know, how do I create something based on my knowledge of a subject? And then wisdom is just because you can create that thing, should you create that thing? And does it add any value to the world? So if you will, knowledge leads to creativity then leads to wisdom. And wisdom, I think, in my experience, has been the hardest to attain because it, it comes about because of experience. You have to have experience. And what I would focus people's attention on as you move into this post-generative AI world is focus your energy and attention on your ability to create new things that are novel, leveraging and augmenting AI. And then more importantly, focus on your wisdom, focus on the ability to say, should that be created? Is there value in creating it? And really using and leveraging that emotional human judgment that each of us innately have in ourselves to ensure that what we're creating is going to enter and continue to add value to the world. Words to live by, no doubt. Frank Mendoza, the founder and managing partner of Catalytics. Thank you so much for joining us today. I, uh, I think we've just scratched the surface. I, there's going to be a ton more to talk about uh, on, on the subject of, uh, of AI and GPT and everything else associated with this crazy world that we've just created. So please come back. Um, I, I'd love to have you back and we can go deeper on some other things. Is uh, that a possibility? Absolutely. Absolutely, Mike. It's been a great pleasure to be here today. Uh, I appreciate the questions. I appreciate, again, the opportunity to speak with your audience. Uh, I really look forward to hearing how those folks are, are tackling this AI journey of theirs and, and hopefully uh, being a part of it as well. And kind of along those lines, I um, uh, want to just let folks know who are listening that um, You've been very gracious to offer a free AI strategy meeting with folks. Yeah, yeah, appreciate that, Mike. Yeah, I'd love to offer your audience the opportunity to just, you know, allow, you know, question and answer a little bit, get deeper in terms of maybe their specific use cases, understand what they might be uh, experiencing right now in terms of challenges that they're looking for, and just offer them that piece. So if you could, Mike, I'd welcome the opportunity to include that in your show notes. Uh, just a link to to sign up for a free strategy session. Absolutely. In addition to uh, a, a link to uh, book a meeting with Frank, uh, there'll be uh, some other helpful links with information uh, about uh, Frank. And I should also add that Advictorium has put together an ebook, which is called Exploring Salesforce's GPT Powered AI Tools. And there will be a link for that free download in this show's notes again. Frank, again, a pleasure. Thanks. Look forward to having you back. Thanks, Mike. I really do appreciate it. Hey, and to the audience, if this is your first time listening to our podcast, a big old thank you. Very grateful for that. Remember, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you have the opportunity to give us a five-star review. If you feel that way, thank you very much. You can also subscribe to this podcast anywhere that you get a podcast. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell your colleagues, 
We do appreciate it. I'm Mike Boyle from Advictorium Solutions. Thanks for listening to the Salesforce Simplified Podcast. Our next episode is just around the corner. You've been listening to Salesforce Simplified, the podcast from Ad Victorium Solutions. 